Conversations when I've been in your barber chair, you know, like, and I'm just glad that I've been able to meet you because it would kill anything, bro. Like, when was the first time that we met? Damn, that was junior year. Was it junior year? Um, yeah. I don't think I remember you freshman. Yeah, no, it wasn't freshman year. It was junior year. Kill, I think Akil introduced us. Yeah, because um, the only time I heard about you, like Rick told Akil told me that he used to get cut by he used to get cut by somebody in Drew. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, bro, that's it's funny. Kilo. Funny, shout out my boy Kilo, man. Like, I really miss that dude. It's gonna go back home. Hopefully, record another episode with that dude, man. For real, for real. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I swear, that dude Kilo, like, really one of the like funniest, not funny dudes like, I've ever met in my life, bro. bro Kilo's just a clown, man. Like, <laughs> hey, I'm curious. Did coming to Howard did did y'all influence each other with the music? Because I know that like. He wasn't as into it before coming to this, before coming to Howard, and he um, just being a, being around y'all kind of it seemed like it, it really influenced him heavily. Uh, I'm not sure, cause I know for me just coming into Howard, like we was already in, in the music, like you know me and Lava. Yeah. But I remember one time a kill who was freshman year. I was cutting and said, like, "I'm gonna start rapping." It was like right before uh, COVID happened. I was like, go for it, cause like it fit like you know when some, you know when some kind of like fit somebody like yeah. I can see like yeah like that kind of fit you, and I can see exactly like how his you know music would kind of play out most definitely. But not nah, yeah, that's crazy how how things work. How how when did you start getting into music? Music. Sophomore year of high school. Sophomore year. Yeah. But, like, I've always, like, loved music. Like, mm-hmm. my dad used to play music, like, all the time. Like, just different CDs. It's just, like, all I heard was just different kinds of music. But my sophomore year, uh, I started hanging out with this other group of guys. Well, I'm still cool with today. Like, you know, Isaiah and all of them. Yeah. Like, my guys from high school. And now, just, like, all we used to talk about was just music. But back in like middle school and stuff though, we used to be writing raps and shit. For real? Yeah. Middle school, we used to write raps all the time. But it didn't, I didn't start really like seeing like a real scene till like my sophomore year of high school. Mm. That's when I started like getting outside more. And just being around, you know, different guys in terms of like music that was actually like doing the stuff that I, you know, I like. So it was cool. Do you think that you being from Chicago definitely influenced your? The type of music that that you make, or just like just the, the overall inspiration. Oh yeah, for sure. 
like that soul music, like you know, house, like just like because in Chicago, it's like a, it's a lot of soul that come out, mm-hmm. come out of there. So I would say so. It's sure. definitely a big history with the Chicago soul, and yeah. just like the overall, just the the black presence from the south, like yeah. it's definitely it's definitely everywhere. Yeah, and then you also get that mix of like that grittiness to to it. Mm-hmm. It's like it's it's a lot that goes on. It's a lot that goes on. Yeah. I can only imagine, bro. Like, yeah. That sounds like a cool. I've never been to Chicago before, so it's real cool, man. It's real cool. Like it gets a bad rep at times. Mm-hmm. Chicago is really good, man. Especially you know during the summers and you just staying out the way. You just yeah. your business. It's real nice. Yeah, I, f- I feel like a lot of time people use Chicago as like a um, like a, a political weapon. Yeah, they do. And I feel like with that though, it's like it puts that image in people's heads, like from outsiders and even people who live there. So it's like people feel like they gotta, you know, act like this act because this, this is how we are told to act, or this is how we are presented to other people when it's not really like that. Mm-hmm. Like Chicago has like a lot more to it than just you know the bullshit that comes. I mean, I feel like it's like a classic psychological phenomenon. It's like if you place a, a, like a figure, like if you, if you place a personality or just like a way of being on somebody, they're eventually gonna start acting like it. Oh yeah. Like if 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 some if you think somebody if you always call somebody a clown, like he might not actually be one at first, but he gonna start acting like one eventually, yeah. bro. It's like when they try and call black people lazy. Yeah, that's, that's the main one. Like you know, black people not lazy. Like how can we be lazy? How can we be lazy, bro? And I, I hate when when people call black people lazy, cause, bro, all this everything that you that you look at when you walk around, black people, bro. we we built it. You know, a lot of the people that, that you see who got all the wealth today, a lot of their wealth come from black people. You know, yeah. like all the people. I swear, people don't understand that white people just ain't getting no money out of nowhere, bro. Yeah, I get it has a foundation mm-hmm. with everything in America, and you know, I think that um, I think that we. We, we kind of ignore that. Even when you talk about um, Chicago and all of the, like, a lot of the bad things that happen there, I think people don't understand why those things happen. Yeah. Like, Chicago has one of the biggest histories of segregation yeah. in the city, bro. It's still segregated to this day. Hell yeah, like, Across bro. certain neighborhoods over, like, all you're going to see is a specific race, like. It's still like that to this day. It's still like that, and it's like that in every metropolitan city, bro. And I think that people don't understand. Like, when you got people in projects and, and, and in the hood, like, no. those people ain't necessarily asked to be there. They was forced to be there. There was a lot of black people who, who wanted to move somewhere else, like, in the 50s and 60s, and yeah. they wasn't they wasn't able to. They, they wasn't able to. And then where they living at, they got to pay more to live there than the white people who live in a nicer house. In a different part of the city. Yeah. Like, this um this conversation makes me think. Like, talk a little bit of, about your grandfather. Just because like, when, you, when you told me about him, I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, so my grandfather, he was um, he was a reverend. Like, he was big in the church. But my my whole family, they came from Mississippi on my dad's side. Uh, they all moved to Chicago, like, around that great migration area. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of my family moved out to Chicago. They came in the 1940s? Maybe, yeah, the 40s. Okay. My dad, like, born in the 60s. Yeah, he came in the 40s. Like, 40s, 50s, 30s. Yeah. 
But yeah, he was big in the uh, in the neighborhood. Like when they first moved into our area, our neighborhood, which we still had a house mm-hmm. in. Like that whole neighborhood was just all white. Like our family was the first black family that was on that block. Wow. The next one was um you know who Craig Robinson is right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he moved. Their family was the second to move on that block. Wow. And after that, the whole area just started becoming more black, more black. But yeah, back then, like you know, him and all his guys, they used to just band together. Like you know, everybody's a lot more in unison. And on top of that, having a black church made that you know a lot better. It's having a place where everybody could come together. Yeah. So he used to just do a lot in uh in the neighborhood, like you know. Did things around Jesse White. I think it was Jesse White. Jesse White was a big person in Chicago. You know, made a lot of change. Mm-hmm. But he used to focus on the youth a lot. Like Jesse he, White. I haven't heard of him before. He's a big Chicago figure. Like he done uh, in terms of politics and stuff. Black uh, former Illinois Secretary. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, double, yeah. What would you say? No, yeah, Martin. He did a lot in the neighborhood. Like I, I used to go around and. Anybody. That's how people acknowledge me was all oh, Reverend Martin's grandson mm-hmm. like, or my dad's son, like because they, you know, in our phases yeah. and stuff, or somebody else would tell them, or you know, like middle school. Anytime I get in trouble, I often tell Reverend Martin. Like, <laughs> like every time, bro. Like that's that's literally how people know. Me. Like I gotta stop multiple times where people just see my face, be like, "You look familiar," and then they'll be like. Are you a Martin? Like that's like I'm dead ass. Like they either recognize me by my dad or my grandfather, and then they'd be like, you know, tell the story. Or Bro, that's crazy. Yeah. How did that affect you growing up? Do you feel like you had to like live up to the name a little more, or no, nah, not really. Like I was bad coming up. <laughs> I, I used to get in trouble, and now I used to just get in trouble, and now I go to my granddad because my granddad was like, you know, my man. Like I used to be with him all the time. Mm-hmm. I used to get in trouble in middle school all the time, get yelled at by my dad, find a way to get to my granddad's house, and I'd be cool. And it's just like, you know, you just, that grand, you know how your grandparents are, they just kind of, you know, make everything feel like it's better. Bro, that's so true, bro. That's how my grandparents always made me feel, especially my grandfather. Like, he used to always just make us, everything just feel like, just feel like it was going to be straight. He never really overreacted over anything. They they all know that we just kids, bro. And we, they were doing the same type of stuff when they was our age, bro. Sure was. You know, like, what, um, can you recall anything that your grandfather said about, like, what it was like growing up in that, in that time period, like, whether it comes to, like, living in a place with all white people or just being, a, just being, having that type of community amongst black people, like, what was it like, what, what can he, like, kind of describe? You know, like, he would never talk about it, really. Mm. But I used to see it though, like, and I feel like seeing it was a lot more, and just hearing from other people, like I yeah, I would ask about some things here and there, but it was never like you know, because I was young too yeah. for the most part, and yeah, I just used to be around him like all the time, so it's like I'm just seeing how people interact with him and how they respect him in some regards. It's like people told me who he is so he don't like he never felt like he had to tell me he never had to tell you anything right right and so that's that's very that's so cool bro just um 
and the overall impact that that a man can have. And thinking about that whole era of history that he was like extremely prominent in, like it makes me think. I wish we could go back to that in terms of black community to where you don't really got to explain what it was like to be to to be a part of like a functioning, yeah. cohesive black community. Black community, bro. I feel like um, that's something I definitely feel like we've we've missed out on just because like there are so many things that have happened since yeah. the 1960s and 70s and stuff like that for sure but for me coming up though like when i was like young young mm-hmm. it was still somewhat like that because mm-hmm. we still had like a good amount of like older people that were still in the neighborhood but that it's not like that no more it's far from that damn it used to you know when i was coming up like so i got maybe up to like 10 that thing started changing. Oh my god! Drastically, yeah. drastically. Yeah. That is so sad, bro. Like, I think we really gotta. Um, I was telling you the other day. I, feel, I wish I could talk to my grandfather about how, about how, um, how it was just being a black man. Just because he, he was from Texas and then he moved to San Francisco when he was twenty, so nineteen fifty four. And I just wish I could ask him more questions about what it was like being a black man in that time period and just like what. What what his visions were and, and his dreams and everything, just just so we could get an understanding and maybe even try to recreate that in some way, bro. Yeah. I I feel like that's one of my biggest. That's something that I want. It just being at Howard, bro. Like I want. It don't have. It don't gotta be exactly like this, but just something like this where we could just have our own space, bro. Yeah, I feel like we figuring out though. Like I I know if they was able to figure it out, we gonna be able to figure it out. Facts. And then some because we have everything to learn from them like they left the whole blueprint for us so they did just, we just gotta be the ones who actually wanna do it you know try and make some change actually gotta do it bro that's um really one of the reasons why i like to study history so much especially yeah. like black history when, when you talk about the 1920s 30s 40s 50s like though like uh, when we talk about the harlem renaissance like all, all the labor union marches all the things that they did when they came together you know it's crazy speaking about the harlem renaissance what who was I talking to? I was talking to somebody, and they brought up the fact that, like, because you know, the, when the Renaissance was like, in the 20s, mm-hmm. we're in the 20s right now, and the way it feels like we're going through another Renaissance. Mm. But in the fact, like, it's not just Harlem, like, it's like more of like a global thing. Like, in terms of America, like, yeah. just even being at Howard, like, I kind of felt that just. From who I've been around and just seeing like how things are gonna kind of like lead up to it feels like we are going through a renaissance right now and you know what's crazy too after that two three months after Howard announced the whole spring renaissance shit too hey. I was like that shit is crazy and I was yeah I was just, it's more people thinking like that yeah I think that um it really just takes an idea just trying to once you define an era yeah. you can really um start to become the air. Just like I always talk about, like, what's placed on you, you're going to start acting like. So yeah. if, if there is, like, a if there is a level of importance or just any any error that's placed on you, you know, you're going to want to live up to that expectation. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. What do you think makes you kind of feel like we're in a, a renaissance right now? Is there anything, like, what, what specific attitude could you kind of, like, pinpoint to where you feel like, um, like we're, we're thinking differently or, like, this is about to be the start of a new era? Like I said, from the people I've been around, and even just from myself, like, 
where I can kind of see my life heading. Like, what do I want to do with me? Yeah. And so from that, just keeping around people that was like had the same, you know, ambitions for themselves. Not like same paths. Everybody got different paths. Yeah. But you know, they want to do something for themselves and for our people. And I've just been around these people, not like. I'm forcefully trying to, you know, be around these people. It just kind of happens, like from my home, like from Israel, mm-hmm. doing what he's doing, Lava, uh, out yeah. in Paris, music, like everybody in Kill doing what he's doing, you know, uh, just like I see like this spark of creativity and just revolution that's like happening amongst people, and just from you know people who I, cause you know I cut hair, so it's yeah. Like, I have a lot of these conversations from even from like our conversation that we have like mm-hmm. it's like this it's like sparks like that's you know really motivating people yeah you know as opposed to the past couple of years like I think that it's gonna be some real change happen like within the next five ten years bro I'm excited for it bro and I think that we have to um, just continue to inspire yeah I think that I think I was telling you the other day like being around people like y'all has um, like you, Akil, um, like other friends I got just have inspired me to want to keep going with everything that I got. Like this podcast is just like a vessel in which I like to inspire others to, you know, just not even just just change the community that we're part of, but be this, being themselves. Because yeah. I think that's when, that's when you really start to see change, bro, when, when, when people is being authentic, bro. Most definitely. You know? And that's one thing too, like, it's been a lot of people who haven't been themselves has been put at the forefront. Mm. So, with that, like, a lot of things have just been so repetitive, feeling like we stuck in, like, this box. But out of that, you always gonna have, like, a couple people that, like, like no, we're not finna do shit this way. And it changed completely. But like, I think shit like that is necessary though. Like where people kind of realize like all the realize the ways that they're doing isn't you know really it's, it's, not, it's not the right way. Yeah. Um, I agree, bro. I think that um, history is is kind of the biggest lesson just from the standpoint of like we've been doing something for so long. All right, now we how we've been doing this, we know it don't work. Yeah. So now, what are we gonna try now? Because I think of um this book I've been reading lately. It's called Revolutionaries to to Race Leaders, and it kind of talks about how like like how how the modern the mod, the modern black political um realm kind of came to be, and it kind of talks about how like they didn't know after the civil rights movement, they kind of didn't know which direction they wanted to go into. And they went in the direction that we see today, which is kind of just like black black politicians um, doing stuff. And I think that they didn't know if that was going to be the right way because it's like you're you're a black politician, and I think that there's a place for black politicians, but you can only change so much because you're still yeah. controlling a white system. Yeah, I agree. You know, you're still controlling a white system, and I think that if we really want to spark change we got to we have to do it amongst each other mm-hmm. and um and that includes involving everybody not not just the middle class and the upper class you know you, you gotta you gotta get everybody bro 
you got to get everybody the, the people the people who have been marginalized um, from from these type of conversations because like not everybody even thinks about being a politician but there are so many ways to make change it starts within our community first like if we put everything towards ourselves and you know work with each other more fall from each other's doors and like you know actual productive stuff not like everybody trying to make a clothing brand or yeah like some real stuff like you know if we did that then I think that we can put that battery in our pet like in our that we, like we need like cause every other race does it every other race does it bro every other race does it but every other race comes into our neighborhood and tries to provide us with the necessities that bro. we need and therefore, we don't buy from each other, but we exactly. buy from everybody else. Bro, my, my professor used to always make the analogy like people will always complain about about like a black owned store, um, in like in a black community. They'll be like, oh, like we don't need to buy black. But the same people, the, the same black people will, will go down to Chinatown, order food from a Chinese restaurant, and act like and, and it is normal. Yeah. Um, I think that we have to we have to get away from that. Mindset of thinking that if it's black, it's bad. Yeah. Even the whole stigma of just like, it, it, it's funny to me, bro. Like, people will be like, whenever black people want to come together, they'll be like, "Oh, why are you guys segregating yourselves? Like, what are you doing? Like, like, bro, like everybody else does it, bro. Yeah. Like white people have they all white spaces, bro. Me and my homie went to Georgetown the other day for one of my friends for Elder's birthday dinner, and the white people they was like they they seemed shook. That we was over there, bro. It was like it was like like like, like ten niggas, bro. <laughs> at, at night in Georgetown, they was staring at us, bro. And it's like, yeah, you know, and it's like, y'all, y'all, y'all was surprised that we came into y'all space. And I'm not, I'm not saying. I I feel like that's that's how it should be, you know. Like yeah. that, I think that was the whole point of the integration movement. Period. It wasn't for us to lose all of our businesses, which is what happened. It was for them to go into our businesses, we go into their businesses, but as black people, we got the issue of um, feeling inferior, mm-hmm. you know, so it wasn't able to, to work like that. Yeah. You know, but I think it's, um, I'm, I'm definitely excited though for the future because I've seen a lot more people waking up to, to what's going on. Bro. Yeah, I think COVID really like changed. I, I think before COVID, it wasn't like that, but after, like, you saw a lot of more people wake up to what's really going on. Why do you think that was? I don't know. As I, I think, um, I think, like, George Floyd definitely uh, had, had a big part to play in that. And I also think just people being by themselves. Yeah. It made people understand how much they... They value community and being around people. Yeah. You know. Made a lot of people sit with themselves, too. Sit. Like just read, you know, think the life and shit. Because I know it did for me. Even though I'm, I wasn't oblivious to shit, it made me really, like, trying to understand, like, like where do I see myself going for real? Mm-hmm. What type of knowledge do I want to put in my head? And... You know what really drives me to live for the next day, bro. I I agree with that hundred percent. I think that before COVID, I wasn't I wasn't oblivious, but there was a lot more to learn 
that I hadn't learned yet. And I think that COVID gave me the time to just not only improve improve myself, but improve my mind. And I started reading a lot more books, really starting to under, like, shout out Dr. Claude Anderson, like, just learning more about um, what, what, what our potential is as black people. Yeah. I think that, that, man, COVID helped me a lot, bro. It's, um, solitude is important, bro. Nah, it is. Everybody need to recharge, man. Like, I always think, like, those who can never sit with themselves and just be around other people that are, you know, they insecure. Like, not like, you know, I mean, it could be in a bad way, but, you know, you got to learn how to sit with yourself before you can be around. Yeah. that's why you have a lot of people, you know, they act out, just do, you know, not so well thought out things or because they, they can't sit with themselves. You know, it's like they got to be around other people or be in the mix. You know, you don't got to. Yeah, I think that's something that I learned from, like, a, like a young age is just the importance of being alone because, you know, you always, like, you might not get invited to something and you you have a sad but I think over time I just kinda learned that like alright like if I don't get if I don't get invited to this like it's good like I'm I'm me. Yeah. And it's um something that I feel like a lot of people still need to still need to learn. Yeah. And um and it's not easy to learn but just the importance of I think it's a big thing is just finding out what you like to do when you're alone. And I think for me COVID gave me the opportunity to do that. You know, just being able to sit with myself, like find this, find out where like my passions are, whether that's that's reading, going outside, working out, like working out in my room, just just doing things, just practicing habits that are that are conducive to to self growth. Yeah. You know, like I don't know, like COVID helped me a lot, bro. Well, I feel like a whole different person. <laughs> like I like, I feel like I'm the same person. Well, I will say this. COVID made me really reflect on my past to to take those bits and pieces that I loved about myself. Because just coming up, I experienced a lot of alone time. Because like I said, I used to get in trouble a lot. Mm -hmm. So I used to be on punishment a lot. So I'd just be in my room just by myself for the most part. But even outside of that, like, my parents, they would stay to themselves also. Like, they didn't really feel like they had to go out. So that, I learned from them. But COVID made me take a lot of things that I just loved about myself as a kid, you know, and then try to add that to who I am today and then who I want to be. Bro, that's, that's real, bro. I think, um, I agree with that 100%. I... I feel the same way just from the standpoint of like COVID gave me I, I, I knew what I liked about myself I, I knew what I wanted to like still have and, and keep and obviously you, you can only change so much about who you are yeah. like, yo I mean COVID happened when we was like like 18, 19 like we, we already we already ourselves and that's crazy to even saying that <laughs> but um, just the COVID gave me so much time to reflect bro I think that's probably the biggest thing actually think about my life and just with all the information I was getting exposed to it helped me it helped me give a better like blueprint to on what to think about and and how to think about it yeah. I think that's what really that's what really helped me a lot helped me out a lot bro I agree man I agree 
And also, I don't know if this was the same for you, so, like, I had my, like, my brothers, like, my homies, but I call them, like, my, because they, they my brothers. Mm-hmm. We all went through that journey at the same time. Bro. So, <laughs> it's, like, it made things that much easier, and it's just, like, damn, like, you know, we all going through the same shit, and, you know, we all got our own battles and shit that we fighting on our own, but, you know, it's a lot easier when, you know, you got people that got you. Everything you're saying is literally what was going on for me, bro. Like, being able to talk to Akil, Michael, Reggie, shout out y'all. Like, just being able to talk to them about my issues. Yeah. I mean, this, bro, this podcast started as a result of me and Michael reflecting <laughs> about about just what was going on, bro. Yeah. Like, it's, it's funny how, how things work out. We just hopped on Instagram Live and we just start talking about the things that we was learning just about. Cause we 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 felt like we knew everything uh, during COVID, bro. Cause all the things we was learning, it was so the information. A lot of it was so new to us. Yeah, I used to be on YouTube, like, bro. <laughs> bro, like I learned more during COVID than I ever learned during school. Man, it was crazy, bro. Being on YouTube, and I think I always think about this. YouTube for me, prior to COVID, it was just kind of. It was a lot of bullshit, bro. It was <laughs> the only things I watched was like, like sports, um, like just YouTubers, like like dumb, like yeah. dumb vlogs and stuff. All, all that, all that. And there's nothing wrong with watching that, but um, for that's that wasn't what was best for for my growth. And now my YouTube is full of things that I actually like. Um, yeah. It's still sports, of course, but like like a lot more history content, like like human nature content. You know, just. Just stuff, stuff like that. That you, that's really gonna, that that really helps you learn and think about your life. That's how I know. You know, like it's crazy. YouTube is really once you get in a space of YouTube that actually that you that things you actually like and can and can apply to your life, bro. It's a game changer, bro. Yeah, there's so much information on YouTube. Oh, and you can get information from reliable sources too on YouTube. Anything about it? A lot of our college curriculum comes from YouTube videos. Like a lot of that, a lot of it. Like I just remember in class, they just sent us some YouTube videos, and we gotta watch this, bro. Bro, it's you can learn so much on YouTube, and I really wish people understood that because I I only be watching YouTube. That's that's my main source of um yeah. of, of entertainment. I don't I don't really watch like I don't be streaming shows like that. Um, YouTube is my main. I show like. Here and there, but yeah, I watched that one show out of like really for that whole year, and I probably watched it like once a month, like once just for like a couple days, and then just be done with that. Wrong guy, wrong guy, and I think that I don't even know. I like I really could, I really credit Akil. Akil to me is one YouTuber who taught me a lot about just about like human nature, bro, and who. Uh, Steph is cold. <laughs> bro, me and Akil, we used to talk. Cause bro, me and uh, Lava, we used to watch Steph too. I still be watching him too. <laughs> bro, Steph, that, bro, that nigga changed my life, bro. <laughs> he changed my life. Like, I swear to God. YouTube. What it do? <laughs> bro, he, he changed my life. Like, Steph, bro, I, and it's crazy that we're, 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 we're his age now that, 
when, when when he was when he was preaching to us like really yeah i think he was like like 22 23 when he was making the videos like a few years ago i could have sworn bro it was like 25 nah bro nah. i'm telling you bro he like he's like 25 26 now that's crazy yeah um but his bro, when kill sent me his stuff um I saw I, I binged, I binged all of it. I binged all of it, bro. Like, yeah, twenty five. Oh, that's crazy. And and I think uh, thinking about someone like Steph makes me think about how, like, like at our age we can be really inspirational to to dudes who was like eighteen, nineteen. Yeah. Like like they'll they'll really fuck around and look up to us, you know, just like how we's looking up to him. Sure, a lot of people came up during that time though, like Kevin Samuels. Rest in peace, Kevin Samuels, bro. Yeah. I feel like him, bro, like he sparked a big change, like amongst our community. Big. Whether you know people want to accept it or not, he made us have conversations about shit that people weren't really having conversations about, bro. I um when I first found Kevin Samuels it was like I, I had seen he had interviewed with this one podcast that I like it's called The Roommates um that's it yeah 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 he interviewed with them and I think I I just remember seeing his name but then I actually started looking at his content I'm like oh wow like, this, this shit fire yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> he he's putting that real information and I think that um Kevin Samuels got got he got such a bad rap just because he was so real yeah. But Kevin was really smart, bro. He was. He was really fucking smart, bro. Like, the inform like he would just whenever somebody kind of debated with him, he would just bring them facts, 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 data, and statistics. Yeah. You know, I really, I, I miss that dude, man. He really inspired me a lot. I'm not gonna lie. Like, he helped me. Even though a lot of stuff he said, my dad taught me coming up. But it's always good to kind of have, like, you know, some type of reinforcement. Mm-hmm. Just, like, hearing knowledge that you do agree with. And yeah. Like, yeah, this is what, you know. And he did that. And hearing you on a platform. Yeah. You know. And uh, he, like, I would say he inspired me because he showed me, not necessarily from, like, the, the things he was saying, but just being a black man, not being afraid to say what was on his mind. Because yeah. I think that him being a black man definitely made him hate it even more. Because oh, yeah. I've heard people say, and I, I kind of agree with it. If I was a white man saying that type of stuff, people, he wouldn't be nowhere near as hated, bro. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and you got to think about it, too, why he was saying what he was saying. Like, he was trying to improve the relationships amongst black, the black man and the black woman. Of course, you know they don't want that to be. Of course, you know they don't want that, bro. Like that's that's the key. Yeah, that's the key. I mean, when you point to all like the whole the whole loss of community that we've kind of experienced in the black community, um, it, it all it all kind of starts in the nineteen seventies when when our marriage rates dropped precipitously. That's <laughs> a big word. Yeah, like, <laughs> like they, bro. I swear, but before nineteen seventy, black people used to get married more than white people. And then welfare and all that other stuff that they started introducing to our communities. Bro, bro, like welfare, mass incarceration, crack, 
DMS realization, like every all those factors combined just screwed us over, bro. Yeah. And Kevin, I I said this in the podcast, uh, like like homecoming twenty twenty one. Like I made some of the girls mad. I was like, and I actually at the Black Men protest, I was saying like I think I believe Kevin Samuels is saving the black community. He was, he did, you know, and he's he really started a conversation. Conversations that are still happening today. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I feel like a lot of the people who facilitate these conversations now aren't as smart as him. Mm-hmm. So the message doesn't come across as well as it could. But the conversations are still happening nonetheless. Yeah. And the cool thing, too, about it, if people want to find the real, they can just go to his YouTube. Because it's still up. Like, all of this stuff is still there. It's still there, bro. So that's what I like about like hours and hours of content, bro, and I think that yeah. he, I, I'm not gonna lie, I, I, I haven't watched the video since since he passed away, bro. I haven't. Like it damn near, it hurts too much, bro. Yeah. Like it, it hurts. It makes me sad thinking about it right now. It was just so sudden, too, bro. It was so sudden, and I was thinking before. I was like, I hope they don't get this man, bro. I hope like before he died, I was like, I hope they don't get him. Like I was like thinking in my head, if they get Kevin, something's up, bro. Oh, yeah. Like some something is up if if he dies and what the fuck he died he was he was like fifty seven he was healthy too he looked healthy he wasn't oh he wasn't uh, he wasn't big or nothing like like, it, like there was nothing there nothing that that looked wrong with him bro yeah he 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 did overcome cancer in the past and people used to always talk about like he used to always be be, be drinking them uh them Red Bulls but like I I it's a lot of people who be drinking Red Bull bro like. And enough to enough to, to to just kill him, bro. I think there is some, I think there is some foul play, bro. Even the, the lady that he was with when he died, um, she was like a, she a registered was a nurse. Registered nurse. Like, come on, bro. Come, come on, registered nurse. Registered. Registered, bro. Like, we, <laughs> and we just we just we just glossed over it. There's no no investigation, no no nobody was saying like I really don't hear people now saying that that there was some foul play. People just kind of just accept it. Yeah, like, a lot of people didn't want to hear what, what black woman that is. Oh, just you know, it it triggered a lot of people. So you know, if they would just let it be, you, you know, know, if it was that. A group that you know always get triggered. It was something that they cared about. You wouldn't hear the end of it. Facts, facts, bro. And I think he, um, what was I, what was I finna say? He, uh, I can't remember. I can't remember, bro. It's just so much, so much about Kevin that I think um, he was just he was he was he was smart. He was professional. It was it was the perfect kind of, and he, he was older. So like he he garnered he garnered enough respect amongst like everybody, um, and he, he came up and people forget that he was talking he was telling men yeah. that stuff before. That's that's the thing though. Like I never really how they try to push so much hate towards him, bro. He was talking about our whole community. Like he didn't really care about other people's community except for ours. Mm-hmm. Even though what well, the problems that he was talking about did affect you know western civilization yeah 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 but he focused on us and 
I don't see how people try to make that argument like, oh, he only attacking black women this and that. Well, he be telling niggas, men, get their shit together too. Telling men to get their shit together, bro. Like, there are there are a lot of viral videos of him just grilling niggas, bro. Yeah, bro. Grilling. Like, he made help me get my shit together a little bit more too. Even though, like, I have some shit together, but we still young. So, yeah. like, just knowing, you know, all right, we about to become men. You know, let me do this or, you know, take care of myself a yeah. little better in other regards. Most definitely, bro. There are a lot of Kevin Samuels quotes that are still ring in my head um, when I'm when I'm trying to get motivated. Like something that always that I always say is he always used to say like life is about choices and trade offs. Yeah, yeah. Because it really is. You can't you can't have everything, bro. You can't. You, you can't have everything, and I think um, I'm just I'm I'm grateful that, that he did what he did because when when you think about the change that he was trying to make. It was never going to be easy. It was, there was never going to be people who didn't hate him, because when when you when you tell a group of people the knowledge that they need to hear that they have historically rejected, it's going it's going to be a lot of issues, bro. Just the fact that like you had a lot of black women celebrating his death, bro. Yeah, no, that was crazy. I did not fuck with that. Like he didn't kill nobody. He didn't he didn't inflict harm about anybody. He's he said words that hurt your feelings, and you finna celebrate a man's death. What does that say about 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 our community right now, bro? The the overall lack of accountability, bro. Yeah. And it's crazy too, though. Like you had a whole lot of black people, who, I mean black women at that, who agree with what he was saying. Bro, exactly. Like, they would come on the show and say, like, bro, you changed my life, bro. Bro, on God. They used to be saying, oh, Kevin Samuels changed my life. And a lot of women will call them pick-me's. And it's like, bro, I I think when it, when it comes to the whole pick-me conversation, it's like, don't don't we all want to get picked, bro? Yeah, that's bullshit. <laughs> <People> are... <laughs> uh, like, like, don't don't we all want to get picked by somebody, bro? Isn't, ain't that the end goal? Especially a lot of these women, bro. A lot of them want, want a man, bro. A lot of women fantasize, dream about being in a relationship, bro. Like y'all, y'all, y'all want to get picked by a dude, bro. But y'all, y'all, y'all say all that contradictory stuff. As soon as a black woman start start defending a, a black man or or just, a, just any, I've been seeing YouTubers who be getting called out, bro. Like female YouTubers who be um, trying to trying to give that that real yeah. game and knowledge. What's your what's your thing, bro? Like all the you know bullshit and nonsense they've been putting into our women's heads too. At that, like they put a lot of bullshit inside women's heads. Like, even from, you know, the whole feminist stuff and all that shit. It don't even align with our, our women at all. Bro, it doesn't even make sense and I always feel like, um, because the whole movement of feminism, like, this is something that, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, but just, the whole system of feminism was not designed for for black women at, at all. Like, we, as black people, had a different set of issues. Than, 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 than white people. If from the standpoint of like, um, the, the whole housewife thing, black people have never been in historic historically have never been in a position in America to where one person in the family is not working. Yeah. You always needed the, the 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 husband and the wife was working, bro. So so that stuff is is out of the window. It's like I don't want to cook and clean and stuff like that. And it's like, 
Bro, our grandmothers did that stuff with no like no no issue. And I think the whole problem is like you you feel like you you need to um like you don't want to please a man. Yeah. And I don't understand and it's like if if you with a man that you really love and respect, you gonna wanna do that stuff easily. And it's like I feel like as a woman you don't gotta you don't gotta do all that extra stuff for for any dude. Right. But it's like you got women out here who don't wanna do that for a man that they that they say they love. Like hyper resistant to them. Like, I'm not I'm not cooking for you. Like what yeah. I look like. I'm not I'm not a maid. Yeah. But like I said, it's the propaganda that's been put into their heads, bro. Propaganda. Very very purposeful propaganda. Yeah. You know, like I we know that we're stronger together than we are. Way stronger together, bro. And I think that um, I think that's gonna be the first domino to fall, and that's what Kevin was trying to do. Yeah. I I, I wholeheartedly believe he was saving the community, bro. Like this, if if you gave him a few more years, bro, like who? God, it makes me mad thinking about it right now, bro. It makes me so mad because he, bro, it's inspirational, bro. Yeah. And the way I look at it, he was like a prophet, and it's like I said, where is it gonna stay? He was a prophet, bro. Like, he really was. We, I think that us living in the modern times that we have today, people don't always, um, people don't think prophets exist amongst us. And they only yeah. think they're they're in the Bible. But nah, prophets are everywhere. We have false prophets and we have real prophets. And if you want to take it back to the music stuff, a lot of artists and stuff are false prophets. Mm-hmm. We have real artists who are real prophets. You know, trying to say something real. What would you define as a false prophet? Um, that's a good question. Somebody who's, you know, trying to influence and speak on things for their own gain. But not like, because, you know, you can still speak on things and you know, better your life. Yeah. But some people, they abuse it, you know, at the cost of other people's well-being. Or they just have, you know, ill intent from the get-go. Right. Um, That kind of makes me think. It made me think of this video I watched yesterday on YouTube. It was, like, about how how rap is kind of, is hurting the black community a lot. It is. Um, And... The rap the, the the YouTuber was making the point that like somebody like like Future, who raps about all the drugs he be taking, he really don't actually live that lifestyle. And he said on the air, Future said on an interview, he said, I- "I'm a lightweight." Um, and the when when Future met Juice World before he passed away, Juice World told him that, "Man, like you really you really like influenced me a lot in terms of just like the drugs I be taking and the lifestyle I live and." Future, like he said, he was hurt by that. He said like that that really that really hurt him. And I'm not saying that Future is a, was one of the false prophets, but I think that 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 message preaching something that uh, preaching a way that you don't live with yes. the influence that you have is like it's it damages us a lot, bro. It does. It damages us a lot, and I think that um. Cause yeah, think about it too. A lot of young black men. Rappers is what they look up to because it's not no real male role models no more in our households. And these artists are who it's there and 
you know, in replace of having dads in our communities and shit. And then though, a lot of those record labels, they know that shit too. Oh, they know that shit, bro. It's um, it's like a it's like a cycle because I feel like when when rap first started, when you have the whole NWA, like a lot of the, the more the more gangster act, the more gangster act aspects of the things, like they are rapping about their their experiences and yeah. and what they and and almost like what they hate about it. They was talking. They was talking about their. Their discontent in their environment and that shit, real shit. Yeah, exactly. And, and, shit. and what they didn't like about it and that like um the R RBO Posse of a famous rap group from San Francisco from that same era, a lot of people call it NWA the Bay. Mm-hmm. And in the in the intro they tape, they was talking about uh you, you're gonna hear like a lot of drugs and violence in this tape, but but don't imitate it. Like don't don't live this lifestyle. I feel like that hearing that is like a key difference between that era and this era that we in now, yeah, to where like it's it's glorified, and and you, and you got and now that these now that these 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 all these all these young black men are growing up, they don't really have they don't have no fathers, no no positive male role models. The only positive role male role, role models they got is like a rapper or like or like LeBron or something. Yeah, you know, it's um, I think that just makes me sad. I was uh, I went. I was for Man of the Mecca. I was, I was part part. We we partnered with like this DC Middle School mm-hmm. organization. We had like a little event at Howard like a week ago, and I was touring some some of the young black middle schoolers. It was it was for black men, and they, they kept asking me if I if I was an athlete or a rapper, and I was like nah. Like, and it's like, it's it's cool to to look up to those people, but. Those are the only people that you're looking up to, the only people that you have seen do positive things in your community, bro. I think that's a that's an issue, bro. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think about it, bro. Like, you know, I go find too many black men as teachers. You know, most times it's going to be women. Bro. And just from my personal experience, like, I had a lot of issues with my female teachers. And times when I was able to get my shit together was when I had a male teacher because they know how to you know teach a young a young man how to you know understand his feelings and emotions mm-hmm. men and women you know we different so but yeah we just it's, it's, it's no role models bro bro the, the black male teacher he not scared of you yeah. I think that uh, from a young age just from a young age, black like black boys are look are so vilified, bro. Yeah, like they was coming up. Yeah, they looked at as little monsters yeah. compared to like 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 a, a white a five year old white boy playing around versus a five year old black boy. They, they look at the white boy as like cute black boy. They, they look at him as destruction and, and a beast that that needs to be contained before he becomes a threat to society. Yeah, that, that's how they treat us, bro. You know, and I think having black teachers helps. Solve a lot of that stuff, bro. Um, black, 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 black male teachers. Yeah, thank you for correcting me. And I think that um, I'm trying to, bro. I don't know if I had my first black male teacher until I came to Howard, bro. Cause my my uh, grade school growing up, it was it was predominantly like like pretty much majority black. Yeah. And all my teachers were either were 
either black females or white white females. I didn't have a male teacher for a minute, bro. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have my first black male teacher till I got to my second high school, my junior year. Damn. But like, like I said, my first, my middle school, I didn't have my first male teacher till I was in eighth grade. It was this white dude, Mr. Anderson, but he was cool as hell. Like, mm-hmm. He wasn't like you know. Like he was cool. Like yeah, he, he was, was cool. down. He was down with the people. Like mm-hmm. he, was like, he helped me, you know, get my shit together. But he didn't make it to where it was like he didn't demonize me or nothing. Like he was just cool. Like all my other teachers, even though I had some that was cool, and, you know, they looked out for me. Yeah, but for the most part, well, they used to hate me. <laughs> they hated me. But yeah, when I got to my second high school, I had a lot more male teachers. Mm-hmm. And just that was also a pivotal point in my life. Just get my shit. Yeah, because you know, when you're in high school, it's a lot more influences. You know the people that you're around. Yeah, a lot of people I was around wasn't you know the best of people to be around. But having those you know those mentors and whatnot. Yeah, you know, keep you straight up. And also having my dad too. Like I always shout out my dad because you know had I not had him, I would. Bro, like, how do you, what do you think the, the, the black male teachers that you had in, in, your, in your second high school, how do you think they kind of differed from the, from the black teachers that you had before, or just all, like, all the teachers that you had before, and what, what do you think they kind of did differently with you? They didn't, like, overreact to shit. They just, you know, they tried to connect with me, mm. you know, and try and uh, just treat it like I was just going to school, you know. Like, but like I said, I have, I've had female, te- black female teachers too, where I, you know, felt like that was, you know, my aunt or some shit. Yeah, okay. But it's it's different when you're a man, you have like a male teacher, mm-hmm. you know, what's up. But yeah, they connected a lot better. No facts, bro, and I think um, I know at my at my grade school growing up, like we having the 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 leadership of the school was so female. Um, I think it kind of they 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 favored the girls a lot more yeah. than they did the boys. And when that came to like discipline, um, what they used to have us do, like. What we could and couldn't do. We always kind of felt like like the world was kind of like out against us. Yeah, but my middle school felt like a prison. Yeah, <laughs> I swear to God, you guys got my own. Like it felt like a prison. Yeah, and that was after our main principal, because our our first our main principal was a black dude, and like up until like maybe fifth grade, it was cool, and then things just started changing. Assistant principal started taking more power because she was gonna eventually become the principal. Mm-hmm. That school became a pretty like that. She was just so like bad, bro. Are you serious? Like, I swear to God. Like when when you say you're a prison, like kind of like describe like what did the environment become like? It just you didn't feel like you could be a kid. Like you just came there to learn, and it wasn't fun. Like prior to that, like school was fun. Mm-hmm. And like you, you know, want to go. You know, after that, like we just would get in trouble. In terms, of, like when we get in trouble, 
felt like we could get interrogated, like in an interrogation room or some shit. Or, I don't know, it just changed a lot more. It just was a lot more strict on us. Yeah. Was, yeah. was he since principal white? No, she was black. She's black. Yeah, she was black. She had like a different level of, um, of just, just, just strictness. Yeah. And it was crazy too. Like, my, I think my grandfather helped me, helped her get, you know, into teaching. And shit. Wow. And like I said, like my grandfather was, you know, Bro, I think that um, we, as black people, I don't think that we value um, teaching as much as we did in the past. Um, when, when you look at black teachers compared to now, or compared to now versus how it was in the past, bro, I think like it was way, way more, bro. And I think that's because we kind of felt like we had more of like a, a, a responsibility to each other, yeah. more, more of a duty to each other because we were seeing each other every day and like. It's not like this anymore, but you had black people from all different types of economic backgrounds staying in the same areas. You know, you had doctors staying in the same in the same neighborhood as like like a garbage man or or a waiter, somebody who don't make as much money, bro. And I think that um, that 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 influence meant a lot more than than I think even they understood. You know, as opposed to like now, where you have a lot of the a lot of the affluent black people who would who you would. Who who these black who these black men who these young black men would be able to emulate and see their lifestyle and be like okay like he's a lawyer doctor okay I want to be like that yeah they live around white folks yeah they, they live around white people and they they're not seeing that positive inspirational figure now where you finna and especially if your dad not in your life he he, he might where wherever he is you know like what are you looking up to and it's like we see now that they look up to athletes rappers like. People who aren't in the home, people who they don't even see, yeah, like they they don't be seeing these people, bro. They don't be seeing them, and I think that um, when I think of uh, all those, like when I go back to the black communities, I always often think of the black schools. I have all, a lot of the all black schools, and by no means was a lot of these schools perfect, but I think that um, I think I've said this before like, on the podcast, like we've always been kind of been taught growing up that black schools were were a bad thing in that in that uh Martin Luther King he 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 saved he saved us from from not being in blacks in all black schools that were that that were bad and I think that one of the biggest misconceptions is that like these schools weren't they they, they weren't bad because it was black people they just weren't funded the same bro. Yeah. If, if you give those schools the same money as was given to the to the white schools bro we yeah. see a completely different story bro yeah bro I know like a lot of black kids smart than a motherfucker bro I think he was telling smart me smart as hell life all you know like, these motherfuckers were smart since they didn't have you know the proper resources and guidance it makes me so sad bro just to see that like a lot of just like natural intelligence bro I, I'm, I'm, I know you, you've seen a lot bro you've seen a lot just this natural intelligence, and I think that's one of the differences between like su- success and failure. Like the people who are in your life, the, the resources that you're exposed to, because there are a lot of black, a lot of black kids who 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 really smart, bro. Like really smart. Like, and it might not be. It doesn't have to be in the traditional school sense, bro. Yeah. Like, there's so many other ways of in- of to, to measure your intelligence outside of your grades. Yep. You know, and I think that. 
this 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 is this is a conversation that we need to start having. How are we gonna bring the potential out of out of our out of black people? You know, because um, you don't you don't have to go to college, but black men in college is dropping dropping like crazy, bro. Like school like hours seventy five percent women. Yeah, like, <laughs> like bro. Like, it's crazy, man. Like, it's just not, it's not mandatory, but it needs to be, like, I've seen a stat, like, by 2097, black men are replaced not to be in college, period. Like, it's, it's crazy, bro, and I think that, um, it all starts with seeing what you feel like you can achieve, you know, you know, if, if you see those positive role models, you go and want to be like that, you know. It's not even just that, too, like, I know a lot of, like, Black dudes that wanted to come to Howard was just, you know, mm-hmm. the money wasn't right or whatever. Resources play a big, uh, play, play a big role. Yeah, and I always think like college started getting high, like the cost of college started getting way higher once black people was allowed to go to a lot of these colleges now. Yeah. Like in the '60s, '70s, like, bro, I seen that California used to have free, free, free college. In the in the sixties, like prior to the civil rights movement, free college, bro. Mm-hmm. But then you know, once once we're allowed to enter, you know, you gotta you gotta start, you gotta put up that paywall. Yeah. You know, I think it's um, it's the system really uh, it, it's out it's out it's out to get us, man. It's out to get us, and I think that people um, the whole conversation about about the system, people be so quick to say that like, oh, like you're. You're, you're getting mad over an invisible system like it's bro it's it's entrenched in yeah. ways that people don't even understand it's mental slavery mental slavery for no for sure bro mental slavery and then, and then it's like I always say that okay we was in slavery for like 250 years bro yeah. it's gonna it's gonna take that same amount of time or and maybe more to 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 reverse the effects of that just yeah. the whole feeling of feeling inferior yeah, but when you also think about it too, when they took away all the physical slavery, they had to figure out a way how to you know continue to enslave us. So mm-hmm. Everything has been became psychological. That's, bro. They, I mean, this country was was built by us, and they, and it was still, and it still, someone still needed to build, bro. Yeah, someone still needed to build, so. If they can't do it physically, they're going to have to find out how to do it mentally. Yeah, because it's not like we haven't been stronger than this whole time. Like, they, you know, they be scared of us for a reason. Well, they <laughs> scared, bro. But when you match that, you know, a strong mental state with your, you know, a strong frame, bro, that's what they really don't want. That's what they really don't want. I, I don't, bro, I don't have any stats to, to back this up, but. I've heard like a lot of people say that when it comes to being in environments, like in corporate environments, a lot of the, a lot of the leadership positions there, they're, they're usually never black men. You know, they, if 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 they do have a black person in there, like if, usually it's gonna be a woman. Yeah. Who's gonna be? Who's gonna, you know, um, it just kind of points to that whole type of that that fear of a black man. Yeah. That fear, you don't want to see him in authority, you don't want to see him power because and they know if they take our woman in there, it's like mm-hmm. Because I mean it also if it's like if you if you see a black man in power, you're gonna be like, Okay, what do I have over him now? Yeah. 
if if you already feel like you 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 not as strong as him, the one thing that you feel like you you, you can you can rely upon to go back to is you feel like you're smarter, you you get more money, you know. But if you don't got if you don't got that, it really puts you in like oh. it starts making you think, you know. You know, so I think that um, we just gotta we have to keep thinking of ways to to get out of this mental slavery that we've been in, bro. Cause talking to my homie about this the other day, like like yesterday, you know, a lot of the things that they want us to do, we just end up doing ourselves now. Like they don't even be having to force things upon us. We fuck around, do it ourselves. That's how good it's became. Like they became at you know. That's how good. That's how good they became at it, bro. And, and they've been doing this so long. Like it's um, I think of uh, I thought about this yesterday, like like Monday when I was in the gym. People have the misconception that white people who are racist are just like the hillbillies who who aren't really that smart. That's that's kind of what people think, you know. But a lot of these crazy theories, a lot of these systems that we have today was devised by, by white racist people who was smart. Yeah. Like, hey, it was smart. They were smart, bro. bro. It was smart. Real smart. Like, some of the stuff that I've seen them, some, some of the stuff that we be doing, bro, it's like, okay, this is evil, but there's, it's, it's pretty smart. Yeah. You know? You can talk about that with us. Bro, they, they, they invented psychology. Not like invented psychology. Yeah. They took the study of psychology to an extreme. And which is why we are where we are today. Bro. And, um, have you read The Laws of Human Nature? No, not yet. Yeah, I got that right there, bro. That's a book you should, that's a book you should check read. Out. You should check it oh, out. Yeah. You've heard 48 Laws. Yeah, I'm like three-fourths of the way down with that. Yeah, it's the same author. I like that book more than Forty Eight Laws, to be honest. Really? Yeah, I think it gives a more um, a more comprehensive view of human nature, mm-hmm. like just really overall. Like reading that, I've been able to like see really understand why people be doing what they be doing. Um, I think it's made me more empathetic and more understanding to other people's um, struggles and just what's what's really going on behind the scenes. That's definitely, and I recommend that book to anybody who's interested in psychology, bro. Like, yeah. anytime I meet a psychology major, I'm like, yeah, read, read that, because crazy, crazy book, bro. You really, um, reading opens up, it opens up a new world. It does. You know? That makes me think. What What are some of your favorite books that you've read? Or just like one, I don't know. Uh, Art of War. Is that read that one before? I have it in my in my uh, in my bookshelf, but I haven't read it though. That one's good. Um, Malcolm X biography. Yep, I got that in there too. I'm trying to think of those. Those are like the names we got here. Mm. What What are some like? Oh no, you don't gotta give me hella takeaways because you're not gonna remember everything you read. But what are like some like big big things that you can remember from like reading those books that that kind of still impact how you live your life today? Uh, I would say the auto war just understanding the hierarchy of shit mm. like when encountering other people like how are they gonna try and come at me or you know certain situations 
how should I go about things? Even though it's, you know, it talks about war, but it's good for your everyday life. You know, just being patient with life. Yeah. You know, letting things happen. And then from Malcolm X, that's somebody's life. I study him a lot, like from watching all his videos mm-hmm. and shit. So, as somebody who, I wouldn't say I want to emulate, but I do base a lot of my life upon what I've learned from him. Bro, I, I agree with that. It's like about Malcolm, bro. Like, um, it, you, you, you can't emulate your life exactly like somebody, but he's definitely somebody who I strive to, 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 to just be like. Just an overall. When you when you watch his interviews, when you watch how poised he was and how much he and how much he knew yeah. his shit, bro, that's somebody who I would like just want to be like, bro. Just that and never any question on that he had. Yeah. And the one thing that always stands out to me that it's like I would never want to be a token, but you know, mm-hmm. just, you know, uh, when he talk about like token black people, like I would never want. You know, I don't. I don't want to be no, no, no black person that that shit around to make white people feel good, or or just used to make like everything is good in our communities. They're like that. Like I said, that goes back to the rappers and all that. Mm-hmm. Shit. You know, they put there to make it seem like we're making progress when we haven't been making no progress at all. We just we're in a worse state than ever. <laughs> Bro, it's it's crazy, and I think that's always been like a quote unquote red pill that I've had, along with the whole stuff is cold red pill, the the, the overall red pill of just life and learning about the black community and why and how things are the way they are. It's like we we've been fed so much BS about how how far we've come, all the change that that we've made. And don't get me wrong, like there are a lot of things that are that are better now, but it's a lot of things that are worse, bro. A lot of things that are worse than, than, than it was in the 1960s, bro. Yeah, I don't think really much, much is that much better. <laughs> like, I, I, I genuinely believe shit is way worse, bro. But I, mean, I do think it will get better. I believe that for sure. It definitely will. And I think, like I was saying earlier, it takes it takes this, this 60 years of, of error for us to understand, okay, these this is what went wrong. This is what happened to us. How are we going to build build off of this bro because yeah. I mean for, for me I have a hard time thinking of reasons as to how things are are, are better now because yeah. I think um, when, when I first started kind of saying this to my friends they used to they're like well what do you mean like how is it how is it not better like we're not we're not getting bit by dogs anymore we're not we're not getting lynched anymore mm-hmm. and like okay yeah from that standpoint things things are better but there's a reason why, like, during, during the civil rights movement in the 1960s in the South, there were a hell of more, there were a lot more black organizations forming in the North and West Coast because their problems couldn't be solved by civil rights because they already had them. Yeah. Uh, we could we could still vote. If you was black in California in the 1950s, you were still able to vote, bro. And you still had civil rights. So I think um, it's something that Martin Luther King realized towards the end of his life, but we, we need, we need land, we need, an economic base, yeah. and it's not like we haven't tried to do so. Them folks, yeah. you know. I think uh, I was on the podcast I recorded yesterday with my friend. I was saying I would love to see a film about um, about Black Wall Street, like in a positive yeah. light. 
See, my dad talk, tells me about that all the time because he went to Langston. And you know that's in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And him coming from Chicago. Like he, he's coming from the streets of Chicago, Southside too with that. He would tell me, you know, going down to Oklahoma, he met like black people whose family was like from Black Wall Street. And so like wow. he never, you know, witnessed like black people who came from, you know, prestigious like that. So that changed his, you know, his whole perspective of shit. Wow. It's like, you don't really see shit like that. And I was just like, you know. I think about that a lot for sure. Bro, like And it was more than just black Wall Street. Bro, it was over sixty all black towns and communities that was destroyed. Yeah. Like, I swear, when I when I bro, oh my god, when I think of towns that was destroyed, I also think of like communities that was destroyed by like highways that was built straight through black communities. And that happened in every city. Yeah, look at New York too. Well, yeah. What's it called? What's the that park? Uh, Central Park. Mm-hmm. That was a whole black neighborhood right there. Whole black neighborhood, bro. You, I was when we went to Georgetown uh, when I was coming. You like, this just me being who I am. I kind of, I looked up um, because I remember Georgetown hearing. Georgetown used to be black too. Yeah, yeah. Used to be black, bro. Like in the eighteen seventies, eighteen eighties, like yeah. used to be black, and now it's and it's it's even crazy because that that on Wisconsin Avenue where all the main stores are in Georgetown. Mm-hmm. You know, you know that uh, big bank. Yeah. You know, I used to be a slave auction house. I never knew that. Yeah. But it looks like it now. It looks, you... bro. Wow, okay. Like, and we we see that stuff now, and we're like, damn, that's crazy. But think, just think about the pain that was inflicted in a, in a place like that, bro. Yeah. All the people that were separated from their families. You know. All that, all that generational psychological trauma that still exists today, bro. Because humans shouldn't, humans shouldn't have to go through things like that. Not at all. Bro. You know, it's it's a lot to it's a lot to think about, bro. It makes me um, like, it even makes me think about how like in DC, like they see used to be like 70, 80, 75, 80, 80, 90. 80, 90 percent black, bro. Yeah. Now it's like forty six and dropping. Yeah. It's ridiculous. They building up all these damn apartment buildings, forcing us out the city. Bro, forcing us out, bro. And it's like, I was thinking when I was walking through, um, like, when I was walking to Taylor Barbecue, actually, at, at Atlantic Plumbing, I was thinking, like, damn, white people really making environment look nice once they start living here. Yeah. That's why we got to keep letting them know still, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, um, my homie Jason, he posted on the story the other day. He posted yesterday. He was in UGL. He said white people up in there. And and it's just always funny that when, when like white people start coming on the Howard after we all leave, they do. I I be thinking like, what is that thought process like? They be like, okay, like they're in summer school, they're in summer break. All right, we can come up here now. <laughs> bro, it's, they, it's just that they mindset, bro. Like it's just ingrained in them. It's just it's it's ingrained. When once the black people are there, we leave. Once they gone, we come. Sure, even when we here, yeah, even when we here. I, bro, I'll never forget that Howard, bro. It was hella funny. I don't know if he was on campus, bro, but it was, um, I don't remember if it was, I think it was during the fall semester. There was, like, a, a big group of, a big, a big group of white students touring Howard, and it was, we was all just staring at them, bro. It, it was, like, middle of the, like, yard is packed, like, like yard is damn near pretty, it's pretty jumping yeah. for a time. You'll see, like, a big, like, like, 30 white 
white students. Then one here. of them went like a Make America Great Again hat or some shit. Oh, oh, nah, nah, nah. I, I think that was like a different incident. Oh, okay. Um, that was, but that that was a like a white dude who was up in uh, who was in annex who was wearing that hat. Bro, they be some trolls. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not like even mad at it. It's, bro, just, like, it's bro, funny because bro. it's just like, bro, this is, you really had the balls. Like I respect it though. Like you know, bro. I'm and I'm not gonna lie. For me, I was thinking, okay, I wish I was there because I really would have asked him, like, 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 why, like, like, why are you doing this? Like, on, like, damn, around some funny shit. No, yeah, that, that's all they're doing. Like, they don't, especially when you're younger too. Like they just trolling. Like they just trolling, bro. He's. He's like, oh, I'm about to go to the black school where Trump has see what they do. And 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 shit, we dinner gave him the reaction that we wanted because hella outrage and it's like, yeah. I do, I, I mean, I'm definitely supposed to to be mad at it, but with stuff like that, I feel like there's so much other shit that that we gotta worry about, like things like that. It's it's just trivial, bro. Yeah, it's it's, it's all it's all trivial, bro. And um, like I I do want to think back to. Uh, whole black community thing though like I don't know I'd be I'd be still like I was saying like my when I tell my friends like how far we like how, I don't think we've made that much progress um something that I that I learned in one of my books by by Dr. Claude Anderson like he he expressed the fact that like we own 10 times more businesses during segregation than we do today mm-hmm. and when you think about business and this money Bro, this this country is run by corporations, bro. It's run by corporations and bread. Like, if if you don't have money, bro, you're not gonna have. If if you don't have an economic base as a community, you're not gonna have no political power. You're not gonna have. You're not gonna have power to like build all these apartments, which is what we'd be seeing. Like freshman year, we used to be able to see the capital from from Banneker. Yeah. Now you can't see it no more because you got a you got a big high rise apartment up there now. I know it's crazy too, though. When we talk about economics and all that shit, black people are the number one consumers in America. Number one. And don't get me wrong, I'm a victim too. How <laughs> <laughs> we buying shit? But it's like I try not to, and you know, and just buy them from like more black desires and just yeah. You know, so yeah, I mean, we got like one point four one point four trillion dollars in spending power. That's, that's like if if you if we made that into a nation, it would be like like ninth, tenth highest, yeah. maybe even higher now. You know, we we have the the potential, and I think it's about um, how do we how do we utilize how do we bring that back together? And something that you said earlier, you was talking about how like we don't really have needs based services anymore. Like mm-hmm. we we don't we don't be having no no like black grocery stores or nothing like that. Things that the community actually need. That's when you start building an economic base. When when you have Services that people actually need. Yeah, that's when you start. We just got liquor stores and diabetes everywhere. That's all we got, bro. I mean, even when you think about how white people have planned out these cities, bro. You need to know this, bro. You never see a liquor store in a white community. You never see no strip club in a white community. All you never see no no landfill, no industrial zone. You never see that shit in white communities. It's like. They have set us up for failure in so many ways, bro. Like, all those, it, bro, it's, it's deep, bro. It's deep. Um, even when you bring like all these Whole Foods, when, when you when you see a Whole Foods in a neighborhood, bro, you already know what's happening, bro. Yeah. Yeah, you already know that shit getting gentrified, bro. That's what they trying to do here. That's bro. what they trying to do here. 
Let's still try and be here, man. Like, I, I don't know if I told you this or what I was telling. That was part of the reason why we, that one dart we did at Bennington. You know that big one in February? Mm, yeah. It's just, you know, let them know that we still here. Like, we gotta start doing things that, you know, let them know that we still here. Uh, we still here, bro. We still, we still got a presence and everything, bro. Yeah. Because if we don't, they're going to keep on trying to, you know, move in. And then if they're not hearing nothing, they're just going to. I mean, they going to, you know, if they not faced with no real resistance, they're not going to do nothing. Facts. So. If they're not faced with no real resistance. A lot of white people that's been moving in here, too. You know, they, they're more oblivious to shit than ever, too. Because, you know, they probably come from the middle of nowhere and they get these government jobs and all that. Mm-hmm. Like, bro, they don't know shit that's, you know. Yeah, they know about racism and all that shit, but one, they're just going based off hundreds of years of programming that's been put into them. Mm-hmm. Hundreds of years. They just don't continue to act on it. Though they might not understand fully what they're doing, but they're still doing it. Bro, I think that's, um, that's the biggest thing because you got a lot of these white people who come from like, the middle of nowhere, like, I think when, when you come when you think of like red states and stuff like that, um, and I, I think you could look at the same when it comes from like um, like people who always vote Democrat. I think there's a there's a lot of ignorance on both sides. Yeah. Like most definitely. But I feel like both of this bullshit. It, like facts, facts. It, it really is. And I think that for like the the more conservative side of that argument, it's like a lot of white people have they don't care about black people or care to think about our plight because they've never even really talked to a black person before. The only the time they you see a black person is like in the media or the news when they see when they see like a robbing or a theft, you know, like they're not going out of their way to find 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 good black people. Like they're not following black pages that that highlight black achievements. Yeah, you know it's crazy too. The white people be just as bad, if not worse, bro. Like it's just it's like you said, it's the image that they put out. They they're gonna continue to portray us as these you know these bad people. Or white people commit more crimes in America than anybody. Bro, I mean, they they commit like ninety nine percent of like ninety eight percent of crimes, and that and that's out of like that's 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 take that includes corporate crimes too. Yeah. Bro, most most crimes like that actually be worth a lot are corporate, bro. Yeah. And it it be pissing me off because like, okay, somebody there's a dude there can be a dude who scammed like. Twelve million dollars worth of stuff, but but there'll be like a black dude who, who robbed a store for like like a hundred dollar TV, or 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 a black dude in like who's who sold who sold some drug, and now he's in jail for like 20, 30 years. Yeah. But that white person who, who committed that that fraud or that twelve million dollar fraud, he get like 12, 14 months. I get outside of that. Think about it. where they, the the black dude got the drugs from. <laughs> <laughs> Bro. Where you think these drugs is coming from? Where like, like, where, where you like that? That stuff it don't it don't come from America, and it's like that's another thing that pissed me off because I was watching a video yesterday about about the crack epidemic, bro, and it's like America literally created that problem and then put it on black people and made us look bad and made people scared of us. When the real monster, it's just like Scooby Doo, bro. Like you, you ain't you gotta you don't know who the monster is. You gotta unmask it, but. You know, it's crazy, too, when we go back to the whole gentrification of D.C. Because, you know, D.C. crack capital. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, we 
look at everything that's happening now and how it's coming about. Like they basically force genocide upon us. It's just like, you know, change everything. They force genocide upon us, bro. And it bro, you saying that makes me think about how um in the nineteen fifties, um, after World War Two, you know, like the whole baby boomers, uh Americans coming back to the to the country, they they, you know, they started going out to the suburbs. You know, all them big houses started getting built out. But eventually, they realized that there's a lot of valuable land up, up in the city. So they started to try to come back. And that's what gentrification is. You know, white people trying to come back to the city after black people. Because in a lot of a lot of cities, black people kind of control the urban areas. That's why um, there became a lot more black mayors, black elected officials in the 60s and 70s. Because we was in the city now. We was able to vote. And... Black people and white people tried to um, them coming back, and it's another way a way they tried to come back is you know by putting drugs in the community. I never had made that con- that connection before. Drugs and guns and liquor stores, all that stuff, and you, you know you liquor stores and make make people act a little more rationally, a, a lot more emotional. You know you introduce all the like, all, all the welfare systems, which wasn't even implemented to the fullest degree to to actually help somebody get out of a it, it keeps them just at a level to where like they're they're dependent on it yeah. you know all those all that stuff that plan pain out of it too mm-hmm. shoot the person who created that shit was a racist she didn't she was trying to get rid of black people so eugenics bro in the 1930s I think it was uh, I'm about to look up right now bro who created plan pain some white lady yeah yeah, it was um, Margaret Margaret Sanger. Uh, what did it say about her? A birth control activist. Yeah, bro. eugenics movement bro like started started from that um and i think that um we don't be understanding where a lot of that stuff comes from even the whole roe v wade reversal um it it, bro it really it really all comes down to 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 white people coming to an understanding that their their race is is like their but white white babies aren't being born fast enough, so yeah. they just trying to reverse that. White people on more drugs, <laughs> like you know how they trying to make it seem like all black people are on drugs. Like, but white people are on drugs more than anybody in the world right now. More than anybody, bro. Like all the meth pills, and I'm like that's dumb, bro. So. Bro, even the whole standpoint of like crack, crack versus cocaine, like the differences in the sentencing for it, yeah, like. Usually it was black people doing crack and then white people doing cocaine, but the sentence for that is far like slap on the slap on the wrist, bro. Like crack cocaine, bro, you in jail for for decades. And um, I mean, one of the people who was really uh, a part of that movement that, that we know well, you know, Kamala Harris, she sentenced a lot of black people. Oh, rocks with her like that. that. That's why I um I feel like we got to remember that. When we when we idolize oh, these yeah. politicians and like yeah she she went to Howard you know it's look who her husband is bro 
<laughs> bro. <laughs> it's it's so funny because um, <laughs> it's, it's it's so funny because uh, I heard like uh, one of my homies he had a birthday dinner like like two like three weeks ago. And no, it was not a birthday dinner. It was a graduation dinner, and um, his dad was there, and they all and his dad and his friends who was there too went to Howard, and they were saying um, that work and they, they went to school with Kendra, and they were saying that when she was here. Uh, she was um, she she was into like into like, all the dudes who had like the wavy hair and the nice cars and everything. I can see that. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I mean, she was an AKA too. So that, that says a lot to yeah. me. And it's it's just kind of funny. Like, well, where did that switch up happen? Yeah. Like, why did that switch up happen? You know, power power move, power play. That is, yep. I don't know who knows, but I I can see that. I'm gonna definitely hear a lot of older dudes say that shit too. So, mm-hmm. like, bro, um, it's it, it's a lot of a lot of interesting shit going on, man. And uh, I just we've uh, it's been a lot of inflict it's been a lot of things inflicted upon us, bro. And I think uh, that's why you have so many black people nowadays trying to they don't even want help anymore from white people, bro. Seems like when y'all try to help us, it's um, it hasn't it hasn't worked out, and it even makes me think about the whole the whole movement of like diversity, equity, and inclusion that, that we kind of be on in the society today, kind of making it seem like progress is um that that we've made so much progress as a society, and um, I think one of the biggest things I just want to say about that is like we we don't um when 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 we're in those workplaces. I really don't know if it's diversity because we can't really speak our opinions, you know, or if they speak our mind. Because if if we like we we where we we are we are inclusive under under the banner of whiteness, yeah. you know. It's like they can have a black face in there, you know, have a token up in there, but we it's it's pretty much having like I'm not gonna say that like having another white person because black people in there is definitely valuable. Yeah. It's definitely valuable to have black black faces up in there, but. Um, it's 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 not as it's not as revolutionary as they try to make it seem like is what I'm trying to say. You know, yeah. you know, it's the whole conversation of like how much progress have we made if we if we still own the same half percentage of wealth in this country since since slavery ended. Yeah, we got a lot of young kids dying and shit too. Like young young kids dying, bro, every day, every day, bro. Um. One of my professors, uh, Dr. Richard, he just finished his 50s and last year at Howard, um, this past year, he was telling me, like, he, he grew up in D.C. Um, in the 40s and 50s, and he was saying that it was nowhere near as much crime as it is today, bro. He was saying it was, like, he's saying people, like, a lot of the kids, like, they respected authority. And um, I think that goes from having, like, a stable black community. Oh, so, yeah. You know, stable. Yeah, what was you about to say? No, yeah. Same thing, cause you know back then it was a lot more stable households, and a lot of them took on the whole you know takes a village to raise a child. So you know, cause I, I like I said I still remember growing up as like when I was ten and shit like around that age when like the community that my grandfather had created in that area, mm-hmm. it was still like a lot of older people in that area. So like like I said they knew me, so it's like. 
Yeah, the whole neighborhood is raising it, bro. The whole Man, neighborhood back is Back then, I know that it was a lot more back then. whole neighborhood yeah. is raising it, bro. It's, now it's like, who the fuck is raising it? <laughs> bro, and you got to think, he was also saying that, like, people were a lot less resistant. A lot of people, like, a lot of young, a lot of the youth, they didn't want to commit crime because if they committed crime, like, it wasn't their parents who was gonna who was gonna reprimand them. It was gonna be somebody else in the neighborhood. So everybody, it was like, oh, well, why, why are you stealing from like from like Uncle Jimmy or whatever? Like, what's what's wrong with you? You know, like everybody knew each other. Yeah. So when everybody knows each other, like things feel safer. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, like my grandmother always told me about how like they used to babysit like all all the, all the kids in the neighborhood. That's what my my dad be telling me all yeah. the stories and shit too. And they was able to whoop them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like real stuff. And it just makes me sad whenever I see my grandmother talk about all the. Because we still live in the same house that, that we got in like in 1962. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the black people who used to live in the neighborhood, they, they, they not there anymore. They sold the house. She used to always, she used to always talk about like, oh, that, 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 that's Mr. Parker's house. It's Miss, Miss Robinson's house. And I just. I just I want to get back to something like that one day because I think that um, community is something that, that that we're definitely missing, bro. Yeah, for, for sure. You see it at Howard. Mm-hmm. There's no community here. That's why this is like you know the blueprint for Black people too. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I've I've met people from all different walks of life at this school. Yeah. All different walks of life, and um, obviously you know it's gonna be. It's gonna be the it's gonna be the weirdos, you know, the people who are a little more uh, not open to community. But that's like I think it's like that everywhere. Yeah. It's like that everywhere, and, and definitely for me, this place has been a, a, a blueprint. Like, what do you what do you think? Like being in D.C. and just at Howard, like has taught you. Like, what is what are like some big lessons that you can take away from this experience? That can be anything. I wouldn't say this, but I'm trying to word it differently. You know, like the whole unapologetically thing, mm-hmm. like that, but in a different sense, though. Because like, it's like I was always like that, but really embracing everything that came before me and what, and just embracing my people as a whole. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's one thing I learned. Yeah. You feel like you didn't do that as much before? I did, but now I understand. Like I'm just, you know, my more mature in my my ways of thinking. Like, cause like I said, just growing up from having that guidance, like it just kind of made me do things. But now I'm understanding why I did those things and why when the things that I did, making sense of a lot more. So. Yeah, bro. I I agree, bro. Um, I had I had always been uh, like proud of my blackness um, growing up, but it was kind of like when I think about it now, I was like proud of my blackness in the context of whiteness. Yeah. Like I was I was proud to be black because I was different than being than being like a white person. It was especially my it was a lot more white people, so uh, that's kind of like a place in which I kind of founded my blackness on, and that's just me personally and. Coming to coming to Howard showed me, like it made me not even think about white people in that in that aspect. Like, all right, I'm proud to be black just because I'm black. Period. Like, 
not in the context of anything, like just being around my my people, learning the things that I've learned, like from the professors that I've had, bro. It's like it's it's been life changing, bro. Um, talking about that makes me think of um, what, what was that class that you said you had the um, the ancient ancient oh, Egyptian like ancient Egyptian uh, ancient yeah ancient Egyptian civilization. You took that freshman year? I took the freshman year. Where'd you take it at? Banneker. Banneker. Oh, like in the, in the sheds? Yeah, in little pods. Mm. Do you think that class, like, shaped you a lot? Um, yeah, sort of. Like, it opened my eyes to a lot of shit. Cause I was just like, what the fuck is he talking about? Like, my I had a white professor, but he was still cool. Like, mm-hmm. that don't mean shit. But it's just like, learning the things that we learned, I'm like, you know, we learn about all these guys and stuff like that. And just, I don't know, it was just mind-boggling at first, but COVID happened. And then I took a couple more of his classes, too. And things somewhat started to make a lot more sense. But until I started to really look at shit for myself, and I was learning things from, you know, black professors that who was speaking on the same shit so mm-hmm. then I was able to make a lot of these connections that much more and I was like okay like it, that that's when my whole like mind shifted so it really it really can start from like one class yeah um cause I know for me it's kinda like it kinda like built so it's like okay I learned about this now now I wanna take this class and why don't you take like once those classes start combining you really start to be like oh whoa like, I remember we was talking about how, like, in that class, like, ancient ancient Egypt, um, they were so influential in the society, bro. They were, bro. The whole world was influenced by that. That's where, you know, the whole Rome got everything that they learned. That's what they... Rome, civilization, all that, they try to make it seem like, you know, they did all this and that, but everything that was taken from Egypt, but the whole Rome... Is what's put on today's world. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of when they say philosophy and all that other shit was found, like it was not found there. It's what they took from Egypt. Yeah, they brought it there. You know, like all of their gods are based off of ancient Egyptian gods. Mm-hmm. All of them, bro. All of them. Like they, they really, they saw them. They was like, oh wow, like they know what they talking about. Yeah, they know what they talking about. They used to. I mean, we talked about this before. They used to go down to Egypt and they used to like just marvel the information that they knew. It was like mandatory that that you go visit Egypt and learn from all their scholars. I would love to see like ancient Egypt. Like, I would love to see how it looked back then. Yeah, I don't think it's nothing what it look like now. Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's just, and that's a lot of shit that we just don't know and that they probably you know don't want to tell us. So. Oh my god, so much stuff, bro. They're they're still finding like new openings to, to pyramids today. Yeah, they, you know how they try to say the pyramids was tombs and shit. They're not tombs. What are they? They're not tombs. They're not tombs. Like they they don't find no you know, I mean, and some of them yeah, but like in, like you can look it up. Like they're not finding no like it's just more tunnels and shit, but they're not finding no tombs, bro. Who knows, bro? It makes me think of that whole civilization. Like, what was it? What was it really on, bro? Yeah. 
We got you think about it too, bro. There's pyramids all over the world. Bro. All over the world. And back then they had no type of connection. That's bro. That's literally what I was saying, bro. They had no connection with each other. How the fuck is there pyramids everywhere? Yeah, that's just uh, crazy. Hey, well, I'm about, I'm gonna look at how many pyramids are there in the world, bro. It's a whole list of like Mayan pyramids, like damn Mayan, like Aztecs, hella like oh my god, bro! It's um yeah, there are hundreds of pyramids in Mexico. One hundred eighteen in ancient Egypt, North America too. Mhm. See, bro, like that's the thing that really made me think. Um, I I think I told you about this dude who studies um studies ancient Egypt. I'm, I'm gonna get him on here, and like. No, not not ancient Egypt, but like ancient, just ancient North America, and in South America, and like, how, why was they all building pyramids, bro? Why all of them was building pyramids? They big as hell too. Like, imagine just human. Like, how did they they even you know take these big ass bricks and shit to do this? Bro, and I think um, we always try to force so much of um of like Western thinking on them. Like, we always be like, uh. They had slaves build them, but that's that's what y'all be doing. Y'all had slaves build y'all stuff. Yeah. Like we we really don't know. Like I think they they theorize that it was just kind of regular workers who was just who was building it. Yeah, I think they used to get paid or something like that. Yeah, like they didn't like you know in movies they try to make it seem like slaves built it, but I don't you know. And and why why did they try to make it seem like slaves built it? Bro, like look at that, bro. Like, it's like look at them shit, bro. It's crazy. Bro. Yeah, no, nah, ain't no way somebody just like perfect symmetry. Like, if you're listening right now, like, just go look up some of the pyramids. <laughs> like, like, it's it's wild, bro. Um, I I think I yeah, I told you I had a class this past semester where I learned a lot about ancient Egypt and their their influence on on Western society. Once you understand that, it makes you think about um, just everything that we've kind of learned differently. Like, like for sure, bro, it's, um, it's an amazing thing, bro. But, but before before we end this episode, I do want to talk about broken MP3s. Like, how did it start, and where's y'all trying to go? It was just something that you know me and Lava we started um, with our other friends like Zay, E, Mylan, but. We just trying to change how people hear and see music mm. in today's age. And like, you know, give I'm gonna say it. We want people to have fun with things again. Like, you know, we wanna take away all the the aggressiveness that's like we want to bring positivity back, but not in like no corny way. But like you know, some cool shit. Yeah. Like, you know. No, that's dope. When do you feel like you you kind of noticed like a change needed to happen? Um, just like it was a period where all the music just became like dark and heavy. 
been to happen like past like 20 years but I feel like more so now than ever it's just like all this dark ass music is just getting and it's just be the same shit too it's the, all this repetitiveness all uh, talking about guns and drugs you know bitches this and that like it's cool you know, they don't use the same type of beats and shit and so yeah it's just it's just the same, same repetitive stuff, yeah. bro. And it's like I said, coming from where we come from, Chicago, you know, a lot of soul music, you know, house. Like, there's a lot of influential musicians from, like, Kanye, Lupe, all of them. Like, those are our influences. So, you know, people who was able to really shift music and people's minds and how they view life mm-hmm. through, you know, music and yeah. music style. That's that's what we aim to do with everything that we're doing. We wanna focus on black art as a whole and try and bring our people together through our music. So like when did y'all start that? Um really our freshman year. Freshman year. Yeah, me and Lava we met our freshman year. But this is like officially like when we got everything situated last year. But it was a thought and idea the year before that, like during COVID and stuff. Mm. So, yeah. But it's weird though, because it's just like how we we always talk about it. It's just like it's not something that we just like forcibly chose. Like it was like life led us here. So, yeah. And we know why we're here and we're going to execute. We're going to do what we need to do. Yeah. Nah, bro, that's, that's real. And I feel like that's something that we definitely need. and Kind of like that whole, that whole movement of like that whole recreation of the Harlem Renaissance. Yeah. Cause I mean that's that's really what it was, bro. It was like a reviving of culture. Exactly, and that's one thing we're trying to focus on. Is like what what made what makes us black, you know? What makes us black, bro? Like, what do you what do you think like when you when you envision like success? For a broken MP3, like, what is what does that look like down the line for you? Hmm. I would say I don't know, really, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like I, I I know where we headed, but I can't really like you know. Cause like in our heads, like to me, it's like I know we don't influence people and whatnot, but I just don't know what magnitude it's gonna be at. Yeah. Hopefully, you know. Like my main thing is to influence, you know, the younger kids and shit. I don't know. I, I honestly can't tell you for real. Yeah, just kind of going with it. That's how I feel about this podcast, bro. Like, I, d- I don't know where it's going to go, but I do know I want to like, change people's lives with just the things we're talking about. Just make people think, for real. Yeah. Make people think about the environment that they're in, like, how they can grow or what they can do to help grow. It's really what it's about, bro. Um, what do you feel like your biggest, like, what's what's been the hardest thing about, like, just, just doing this? I want to say... If there's been anything that's something hard about it. I mean, yeah, again, like the logistics and shit, mm-hmm. that's been a little challenging here. And also, you know, just trying to 
establish ourselves. Um, I feel like we face a lot of resistance, but that's cool though, because like I said, so what we doing? We giving people real. Like, it's a lot of bullshit that's out. Mm-hmm. When people acknowledge that you know you're doing something real, then, then they gonna try and dim your light, and that's cool. But but they don't. I always believe that you know we just building our foundation. So when we are where we need to be, that it's gonna be strong enough so where nobody can take us down. So that's I mean that's really the thing, bro. I feel like anything creative, bro. Like if it starts from a place of authenticity, mm-hmm. it it got a way better chance of being successful than something that's not, bro. Because mm-hmm. It makes you think of other podcasts that I feel like start for like reasons that aren't really all that real. It's kind of like people will have a conversation and think like, oh, like okay, well, we can have good conversations. Let's um, let's start a podcast. And I think that's why, like most podcasts, usually fail and usually stop. And um, I think I think like most things that people create, you'll see so many things that someone's created and then it's just kind of dead. Mm-hmm. You know, because I feel like not and things can things other things can get in the way of it, but I feel like. People don't have like that that real reason, that that real kind of like inner purpose. It's like like you know your purpose seems like it's like you want to you want to revive the spirit of the community again, bro. And I want to you know talk like we want to talk to the the kids who was us to like how like Lupe was and all of them mm-hmm. was to me as a kid. And that shit, that's what we want to be. And then some. And then some, bro. I really think that's that's what it is, bro. When you, when you have, like, a greater purpose behind you, bro, like, it makes it makes the work not even feel like work. Yeah. Makes that shit not even feel like work, bro. Like, yeah, it don't. <laughs> like, but that's, so, that's what's so cool about it, too. And, you know, it's just... Like, I swear, a lot of the time that I put into this podcast and, like, and just reading and just building up my knowledge, like it never feels like it's work. It never, I never feel like it's something that I, that I'm mad about doing, that I have to do. It just feels, it feels natural. I'm in my natural element when I do everything, bro. Yeah. And I think that's how it's supposed to be, and not even just with being creative, but just with life in general, bro. You know, um, people be getting away from that. I met a lot of people who um, are kind of, who are not miserable, but they're on the path to misery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it was me, and that's something I do not want to be. Man. I'm trying to enjoy my life because it's like I know we're only here for so long, too. We're here for so long, bro. And why not go and do some shit? Some cool shit. Why not go do some cool shit? Like, straight up. Straight up, bro. Like, why not do something cool? Yeah. Why not do something that, that you can be like, all right, like, I put the work in, I changed, I changed something in society. Some shit that you proud of yourself. That you proud of yourself. Like you don't gotta try and make other people happy. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, what you doing is probably helping other people, but if you feel like you know, like you're not trying to make other people happy, you're not trying to to to, to fulfill the dream of somebody else who actually made their dream happen. Yeah. You know, I think um, that's really what I try to focus on in my life, and I think that just comes down to being authentic. Yeah. You know, for like the past like month or two, like. My favorite way, my favorite word is just been authenticity, bro. Because when you authentic, bro, like the doors open, bro. Like they open, people see that. Like it's, it's a beautiful thing, bro. It's a beautiful thing, bro. So I'm, I'm glad I got you on today, bro. It's, I appreciate you. It's, having like, me, it's bro. a great episode, bro. Like, talking, talking that real stuff. I think uh, 
I think I'm, I'm gonna name I'm gonna name this episode uh, "Make the Black Community Great Again." That's hard. I, I think, <laughs> that's I, all right. I, I think I was I was thinking about a name. I think, but that's that's perfect, bro. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So I appreciate you getting on. Really appreciate you. Bro. Wish you the best of luck with Broken MP3s. Black luck with your podcast. Hey man, you know what we doing that every man. Yes, sir. As long as y'all show love, we'll stay consistent, man. Black Lotus out.